Hey, this is Greg Grunberg, a.k.a. your favorite Star Wars character, Snap Wexley, and you are right where you need to be listening to yet another amazing episode of the Black Squadron podcast. Welcome back to the Black Squadron podcast, episode 48. I'm BP, back with my main man, Todd. What's going on, Todd? Not much. I went to the Lego store today to uh, see if they had that R2-D2 in stock mm-hmm. yet. I think I've been to three separate Lego stores just to see, and each time I, I haven't been able to find it. So I have a feeling I'm never going to be able to get my hands on my uh, my sweet little R2. That's really funny you said that because we didn't communicate about that today at all, but I went to Labyrinth uh, Gaming and Toys today and here in DC, and they have a pretty big Lego section, and I went looking to see if they had it, and they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the R2 is a Lego store exclusive right now for whatever mm-hmm. reason, which store exclusives and me are like two peas in a pod. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into that exclusive mess when we get to the cargo hold. Before we get moving on into the show, um, I don't know how many people who listen to our show have listened from the beginning, but when we first started, we had a Twitch channel um, that we didn't use. But guess what? We're reviving it. Uh, we are bringing it back. We're going to do unboxings live on Twitch so people can talk to us while we're doing it. And um, between Todd and I, we have 22 Star Wars games uh, from console to computer that we're going to play from across the decades, literally, uh, on Star Wars games. So go Check out our Twitch. Give us a follow, uh, Black Sweater Podcast on Twitch. And without further ado, let's hop on over to the Hollownet headlines. All right. So, all but confirmed that Book of Boba Fett is operating under the working title Buccaneer. So, I saw this on uh, Boba Fett Fan Club. I don't know if they're the first ones that broke it or. Or the ones that found these images. But there's a couple different images of some swag. So whenever companies work on a production, there's usually production-related swag. So this was swag for the camera department, ad department, and legacy effects. Legacy effects has worked on Mando. They've worked on a whole bunch of different projects. So theirs is actually the one that had Buccaneer on it. And it also had what looked like a Wookiee arm. Yeah, so me and BP have been speculating nonstop about what the Wookiee arm could be. I really, really hope it's Black Kirsten. That would be amazing because usually when he's around, not only is he a fun badass, but generally Dr. Aff is right there behind him. So let's hope. It would be so cool, especially since we've had the Dr. Aphra audio drama recently. Aphra has been a very popular comic character since she was first revealed in, in the original Darth Vader run. So it would be cool to see her make that transition to a big screen and something like Book of Boba Fett, where it's following Mandalorian and the live action element. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a really cool way to introduce people to a cool character. I was just introduced to her by listening to the audio drama, and now I like can't get enough (laughs) of Dr. Aphra. I want every single comic (laughs) and every single piece of tie-in merch possible for the character. She's a really cool character, so it'd be cool to see her and and how they make that transition from comics to live action yeah her her comics are a lot of fun so if you haven't checked those out go go read them because they are a blast literally tim morrison was also seen wearing a hoodie with buccaneer on it if that's uh between the the swag and the lead actor in the show wearing some swag with the name on it that um I think all but seals it yeah. that they're operating under Buccaneer. It is interesting that they chose Buccaneer as the working title. I don't remember what the working titles were for the first two seasons of Mandalorian, but if that is like an indication of maybe the theme of what the show is going to be, some swashbuckling, I don't want to say pirate adventure, but I feel like it's going to be a little bit of an outlaw adventure story. I just Googled it because I was curious. According to AWN.com back in October 2020, the working title for The Mandalorian Season 3 was also Buccaneer, or is also Buccaneer. So I think that was before the announcement that Book of Boba Fett is basically Mando Season 3 light. It's that next chapter in The Mandalorian Saga. So everybody, I think, was assuming that the Next chapter was going to be season three of Mandalorian. And then they announced Book of Boba Fett's coming next. And John Favreau has said the next chapter in this story is going to be Book of Boba Fett. So it was Huckleberry. I think there's these rumors of 
yeah, these rumors have been around for a little bit, but now that confirmation from the swag, I think, really drives it home that this is all for Book of Boba Fett. So the Mandalorian season one was the Huckleberry before it was announced. Oh, that's right. Yeah, who knows then? Maybe maybe it's just a fun. They were someone watching Pirates of the Caribbean before <laughs> they uh, started working on it, and they're like, "We're gonna go with Buccaneer for this one." <laughs> Some more news: J.J. Uh, Abrams is in the news again. He caused a little bit of unintentional uh, f- fire in the Star Wars Twitterverse because anytime anything J.J. says seems to cause he breathes uh, the two the two sides of star wars fandom to go at war with each other so he did an interview with collider and during that interview the person asking the question asked if he thought the star wars sequel trilogy should have had more of a plan from the beginning so you know there's been comments from the directors that they had a lot of freedom to make the movies how they sort of wanted to make them and tell the story that they wanted to sell and one big criticism is people think that there was too much freedom and it, it sort of led to a not as a, a cohesive story between the three movies in the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. So JJ being the smart question deflector that he is, because he's probably done a bajillion press junkets where he can't exactly comment on the uh, projects that he's worked on directly. Mm-hmm. He didn't reference Star Wars specifically, but he said, you just never really know. But having a plan, I have learned in some cases, the hard way is the most critical thing because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize because if you don't know the inevitable of the story, you're just as good as your last sequence of effect or joke or whatever, but you want to be leading to something inevitable. Of course, the internet being as rational as it is ran with it. People took it to fill their narratives and either bash the sequel trilogy or bash JJ or praise Ryan Johnson or just cause a lot of divisiveness. I don't think like, obviously the question was about Star Wars, but because he's worked on so many other franchises that have had sequels and things like that, I don't necessarily think that he was referencing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I put zero stock into these things when they come out. So <laughs> it is interesting to see the director's thoughts and how they view, you know, work looking back because it, it's been some time since Rise of Skywalker's come out, and it's been some time since the. Force Awakens came out like seeing that trilogy as a whole as a whole trilogy now Mm -hmm. and being able to judge the trilogy as a whole rather than the first two movies or the first movie or something like that I think allows someone like J.J. Abrams who directed two out of the three to look back and what we could have done differently part of the creative process I think is that you don't necessarily know how it's going to turn out in the end to a degree you're sort of making decisions on the fly and it's you can always look back when everything's done and said oh we should have done this differently or maybe we should have approached this differently but not a huge issue in my opinion i I enjoy listening to the directors give their commentary on the whole process and and the reasoning why they did what they did with the movies so yeah i probably could listen to jj talk about star wars for hours to be honest with you I hope the internet doesn't scare him away because I feel like he says stuff and then the internet scares him away for a hot minute and then you like come back and say some more stuff and then rinse and repeat. Yeah, it's tough. Another directing news, <laughs> and this was actually really interesting. So Zack Snyder actually confirmed in an interview he did that he had pitched a Star Wars project inspired by Seven Samurai to Lucasfilm before sequel trilogy. So before The Force Awakens came out, I think they were looking for obviously who was going to direct the first movie in this series and probably looking for ideas on what to do with this sequel trilogy. So in an interview he did with the happy, sad, confused podcast, Zach discussed his planned idea for the star Wars movie, which involved a group of Jedi long before the events of the clone Wars. So how long, who really knows? Maybe it's high Republic era. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's where they got the inspiration for the high Republic to a degree. Maybe it's old Republic. Maybe it's, Right before we see the Clone Wars, you know, who knows what this could have potentially turned out to be. He is still working on the idea, but now it won't be anything Star Wars related. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's just going to be a little more of a sci-fi universe playground for him. He's been obviously in the news a lot recently between the Snyder Cut of Justice League. He had, uh, was it Army of the Dead? Yeah, it just came out. Is that the name Mm -hmm. of the... Uh, Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. 
something of the dead. I yeah, think there's zombies. I want to say it's Army <laughs> of the Dead. Yeah, there's zombies. It's it's utter chaos. It's interesting to see. We've obviously seen the sequel trilogy, The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. But it's interesting to hear some of those early days before The Force Awakens came mm-hmm. out and some possible ideas they were kicking around for restarting the Star Wars saga after Disney purchased Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Zach would be thinking about it, it from what I've read for The High Republic so far. And, and I've just read the novels for the most part. I'm about four issues behind on the comic, on comics, I should say. But uh, thinking of the Light of the Jedi and Zack Snyder together is like lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> not not a good fit. The movies that Zack does are so dark and gritty mm-hmm. that I feel like a Star Wars, like I would be all for a dark, gritty Star Wars, but I don't necessarily know if that would be best for a <laughs> trilogy that's restarting, like kicking off the first wave of Disney Star Wars. Like <laughs> it would be cool to see maybe a series or, or a Disney Plus movie or something where he has freedom to kind of do what he wants, not necessarily tied. I think the whole when they were doing the, you know, Rogue One, Solo, the standalone anthology kind of films, if he had done something like that where it's still in the Star Wars universe, but it doesn't have to necessarily tie into a trilogy or rely on other movies to carry it to a degree. Or see him direct like a uh, um, adults only is not the right word because that's a different genre <laughs> um, but a, a very <laughs> adult animated Star Wars project so he could like go as nuts as he wants to go in terms of the violence and darkness that'd be that'd be interesting yeah it's tough though because I mean Star Wars is obviously you, you have to walk that line between family friendly content mm-hmm. and over the top grittiness <laughs> like there's, I don't know if an over-gratuitous Star Wars movie would necessarily sell. I think it'd be cool to see, but I don't know if it's necessarily uh, a direction they would want to go in. But could you imagine him doing like a something with the underworld and bounty hunters? Yeah, I could. I absolutely could. And I would. A little more news. StarWars.com. The team over at StarWars.com won 10 Telly Awards. So they won awards for our Star Wars stories. Jedi Temple Challenge and the Star Wars show. So Star Wars show always ends up winning stuff. That is seems to be a no brainer at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I see it like up for an award for something and they always seem to take home an award. Jedi Temple Challenge. I was really happy to see because that um, was a, a cool concept. It reminded me of the Legend of the Hidden Temple. It reminded me of those early or not early, I guess older Nickelodeon <laughs> game show kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shows we had so it's always good to see that good to see some recognition for some star wars projects outside of just the movies and the animation do you know and, if that show's uh, coming back for another season to the i don't i hope it does mm-hmm. but i feel like because it was youtube only and the star wars youtube right now is sort of flooded by a bunch of toxic stuff <laughs> yeah. some very toxic stuff yeah. anytime you go to the comment section it's just like non-stop toxic comments from the bring back car dune we love gina crowd so Why don't they just disable comments at this point i don't know it's something like they get review like it's basically like getting review bombed on anything they post on the star wars youtube channel it's always massive thumbs down from one specific group it's always massive negative comments from one specific group that sounds so you would think that it'd be imagine dedicating your life to that it, this sounds so exhausting and so unnecessary. Uh, I just be, you don't have to like something, but don't spend your entire waking life trying to be negative about it. Like just go do something yeah, else that makes you happy. There's literally franchises everywhere. Go pick a different one. And wrap things up. We got a little bit of publishing news. So a new comic book is coming out from Daniel Jose Older. So it seems like we have, <laughs> it's a, it's high Republic. So it's the same kind of core group of people. It's going to be a Marvel series titled star Wars, the high Republic trail of shadows. Alder described it as sort of a Star Wars noir detective series. The official description is that following the shocking events of the Republic Fair, the Jedi call upon one of their own, Emmerich, I'm going to butcher this, Captor? Captor? To investigate a strange mystery with ties to the Jedi Order. At the same time, Chancellor Lena So calls upon Cyan Holt, a high-end, in-demand private detective, to look into the same mystery. But we'll either solve this riddle before anyone else dies. I will go to my deathbed 
preaching that star, every Star Wars property that comes out in written form needs an index in the back with a pronunciation guide. Whether it be for names, yes, planets, aliens, please help me. <laughs> I can't imagine what this, because there's obviously the Lucasfilm story group. I can't imagine, like, they have to have just documents with the proper pronunciation and spelling for everything. They have it's to. So, it's, it's, some of these are just over-the-top crazy names. Yeah, I'm confident they just, like, someone sneezes and like, yes, write that down. Was it those random name generators where it just gives you a bunch of, like, random letters in a row? It's like, put the, someone write that down. Put that down. <laughs> yeah. This is cool, though. I think it's a cool concept. It's I don't think we've really ever seen. We've obviously seen the, the Star Wars spy aspect to a degree, mm-hmm. and we're going to see more of it with Andor. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've ever really seen a Star Wars detective concept in the new canon stuff. No. I don't know. I guess Den technically is detecting, <laughs> but not officially, but yes. Are all bounty hunters detectives to a degree? I guess, right? <laughs> Private eyes. It's a cool concept, though. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I still have to read all my High Republic. Otherwise, BP is going to kill me so that we can finally <laughs> talk about it on the show. <laughs> the, the novels are so good. I, I They're so good. If you go to Charles Soule's website, he is selling signed book plates for Light of the Jedi for 10 bucks each. Don't tell me. <laughs> Tempt, don't tempt, tempt me. me with a good time i know we're going to talk about it a little bit in the cargo hold but these uh high republic books are getting even crazier with the the covers too <laughs> so and on that note i'm going to toss it back to you bp for the cargo hold put captain solo in the cargo hold The Cargo Hold segment is brought to you by Skyward Fun Supply. Skyward Fun Supply was born from a love of two things, Star Wars and the hobby of figure and toy collecting. They are a company that truly knows how fun the hobby of action figure and toy collecting is because they are collectors too, with over 30 years of experience in the hobby. Every item from Skyward Fun Supply is guaranteed to be in mint condition. Head over to www.skywardfunsupply.com and use code BSP10 to save 10%. All right, so slow week for me uh, in terms of Star Wars purchases. I had a grand total of none this week. So, Todd, did you get anything this week? Oh, I did. I got the art print that I sent you from Bottleneck Gallery. I can't remember the artist's name off the top of my head, but it's the print that has the scene from Mandalorian where it's Grogu, Ahsoka and Mando mm-hmm. when they're doing the whole silver knob force element. Mm-hmm. And it's got this cool effect where it's a glow in the dark print. So during when it's, you've got light on, it shows that scene in the forest where they're doing the passing the force knob with the, the force <laughs> or, or the silver knob with the force. But if you turn the lights off, the glow in the dark scene is Ahsoka fighting the magistrate. That's so cool. It's the same artist that did the Luke or Yoda raising the X-Wing from Dagobah. And then the glow in the dark effect was Luke raising the X-Wing on Octo. That's such a cool concept. Like imagine coming up with that idea. That's as an artist, I'm really jealous. (laughs) Um, So yeah, real nice, pretty slow week for us. Only one thing between the two of us. That's, that's gotta be some sort of a record. I did get all my uh, figures hung up finally all my vintage collection and carded figures i've got 400 thumbtacks that i got in the mail now because they delivered the initial ones that i ordered plus a new one. Oh man so if anybody needs thumbtacks todd's your guy hit us up on social the black squadron <laughs> podcast is the leading black market dealer of thumbtacks um so it also is another slow week in terms of releases merch releases so the only couple things that that i saw this week were all book related all high republic book related mainly exclusive covers and posters that are coming out. So first we have the high Republic, the rising storm, which is the second true novel in the line. And it comes out June 29th. So a month from the, as of recording. So it's getting two exclusive covers, one from Barnes and Noble and the one at Barnes and Noble also comes with a poster of chancellor Lena. So, and the same book rising storm is getting a target exclusive and its cover is epic if you guys haven't seen the target exclusive cover give it a google because it is awesome it's got stellan geos bell zetfar elzar man and dira stokes and ember the charhound um 
Charhound's such a cool name. And it comes with a poster of Martian Rowe. So Target, if you Target and exclusives, you know, can be hit or miss. So if you see, ever see this in the store, send us a picture. <laughs> I feel like the book exclusives at Target are a little better yeah. to find. Because I noticed like whenever I go to Target, there's plenty of books yeah. that I can get my hands on. They get Figures are a no-go, but books are fine. I, I've heard stories of them having figures. Actually, I've seen quite a few people online finding the Clone War Black Series. I feel like our targets are just cursed in this area. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think we're the only two collectors. scalpers. Only two collectors in D.C., so they just don't stock the shelves or something. I don't know. <laughs> you see the picture that Yak Face posted of someone at a Target, and there was like deep rows of like 50. Echo. Yeah, like 50 of them. Yeah, there was, and it was all Echo, which I was like, if I was someone that wanted all of them, and I just rolled up and I saw like 50 <laughs> Echoes, I'd be like, well, <laughs> all right, I guess. Like, this is a thing. This is happening. It's just not meant to be if you walk up and it's just all 50 Echoes. <laughs> I immediately thought of the scene from Attack of the Clones where Obi-Wan's like, your clones are very impressive. <laughs> or, yeah, your clones <laughs> are very impressive. You must be proud. Um, and the only other thing that came up on the radar this week was Out of the Shadows, the High Republic book. It apparently is getting two new exclusive covers, one from Target and then one from Walmart, of all places. I, I can't remember ever seeing a Star Wars book at a Walmart, but I, I'll give it a go. I've seen a few. I don't go to Walmart very often, mm-hmm. but well, I've, I've seen a couple Star Wars books in there every now and then. Our Walmarts here are a lot different from pretty much everywhere else. So ours are about the that size of a footlocker and everyone else has like a legit giant superstore. The joys of city living. <laughs> All right. So up next is the Skyward Top 10. Coming in at number 10, the Black Series Battle Droid. Number nine, the Black Series Battle Droid Genosis. Number eight, the Black Series The Armorer. Number seven, the Vintage Collection Wicket. Number six, the Black Series Queel. Number five, the Funko Pop the Armorer. Number four, the Vintage Collection Chirrut. Number three, the Black Series Late Squad Clone Trooper. Number two, the Black Series Moff Gideon. And number one, you guessed it, the Black Series Ray Dark Side Vision. Todd, what the hell is going on with these top ten? <laughs> so we have... The armor on it twice. And we have Wicket on it. Cheer it. Like, and I don't recall seeing a sale over at Skyward Fun Supply. So I wonder, what, wonder what's spurring people to do. Because obviously the armor is hot right now. So I wonder if she's just doing a bunch of appearance suddenly or what. But It could be. Now the cons are coming back. People are getting figures and pops and, and stuff to get signed. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But yeah, that was the Skyward Top 10. Up next is our Bad Batch Episode 5 recap. The cavalry has arrived! Spoilers! Spoilers! Alright, so before we dive into our spoiler-heavy review of Episode 5, what were your initial thoughts? Every episode is getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> I feel like this one was pro- yes. this happened so quickly. It's probably my least favorite episode. Not that it was bad. It's just of of the four, I probably least likely to watch this one again. See, I'm the opposite. I watched it twice today, and that's when I noticed because I like looked down for a second. I looked up, and the episode was over. I was like, "What? What happened? Like, where? Where did time go? <laughs> What's going on here?" I enjoyed the action of this episode a little more because it it seemed like it was very go 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 the whole time from yeah. the start. I did enjoy the amounts of Wrecker in this episode. There was a lot more Wrecker than we've gotten the last couple episodes. The beginning had me dying with Wrecker. <laughs> He's such a sweetheart. And on that note, let's uh, let's dive into it. So it starts out with Bad Batch giving Omega her own comlink so they can communicate on missions. Omega! It's crosshairs, which is kind of sad that they're giving away crosshair stuff now but officially meaning that omega is becoming the the newest member of the bad badge Tech, technically uh, technically the crosshairs yeah technically and we're repurposing it it's fine it's okay just don't <laughs> ignore the the sadness the scene of wrecker and gonky where he's basically was he he was squatting gonky wasn't he he it seems was, like he's he doing a different fitness activity it, yeah. with Gonky. <laughs> yeah, every Ooh. time it's a different. He's either doing curls or squats or 
I need to look up how much those gonk droids weigh because I want to know just how, like, obviously Wrecker's strong, but I want to know just how strong this man is to be casually curling. It's like when you go to the gym and you've got, like, the big yoked bodybuilder next to you and he's, like, just powering through, like, 50-pound curls and I'm sitting there, like, 15s, like, oh, God, please help. How likely do you think the weight of a gonk droid is on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) What's the over-under? I want to make one so bad. Every time I see Gonky, I'm like, I want to make this guy so bad just because he, he looks so fun and like give him the little soundboard and everything. Did you know you can buy a Gonk droid in the Star Wars universe? If, like if we were actually in Star Wars, a new one only cost 100 credits and you get a used one for 60. That's a bargain. That depends on how many credits you're rolling with. Credits <laughs> are a little scarce for the Bad Batch right now. Oh, they made some money by the end. They did. So instead of staying low... They want to find out who's after Omega. Obviously, they had their interaction with the bounty hunter Phoenix Shan the last episode. They want to know why someone is chasing after them now, because not only are they outlaws wanted by the Empire, they're now on the run from insane killing bounty hunters. And I feel like it's only going to get worse for them as the season goes on with more bounty hunters now competing to get Omega because whoever Phoenix contractor is is gonna get real impatient real fast i have a feeling (laughs) uh so while they're trying to figure out how they're gonna find out who it is echo says that he knows an informant named sid on ord mantel that may be able to help them so sid helped the jedi during the clone wars he's like well if the jedi trust this person then i trust this person because that didn't possibly backfire for the jedi at all nope never has and yeah because the jedi are so plentiful right now in the galaxy so they land on Ord Mantell in Ord Mantell City. If you've read the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comics, mm-hmm. you'd know that uh, Ord Mantell is where the Black Sun Syndicate operated and it's where Darth Maul's Shadow Collective fought the Separatists. And there's a big crazy war and stuff did not go well for the Shadow Syndicate, but you had all kinds of criminal elements there. So it is interesting to see them pull in some elements from the comics Maybe we'll go back to Ord Mantell at some point and there's going to be another crime element added. Some some more baddies that they have to deal with or they start going down a little bit deeper that mercenary route and uh, work for some more shady people. Eventually, they're going to run a job for Jabba, right? Otherwise, why was Bib Fortuna there? They 100% are going to work for Jabba. So they end up going to the subterranean uh, bar where they find a Trandosian. They ask if she knows Sid. She's like, I've never heard of this person. What are you doing here? Please leave. You're in the wrong place. Omega being the (laughs) all-star member of the uh, Bad Badge. is uh like wait a second uh you're you're sid and it's like you're you're much uh you're much smarter than this other group and meanwhile echo's like i don't know this should be right here like I, this this should be the place do you think that the situation that the bad batcher in has thrown them off because that was because everything we've learned up until this series started they're badasses but they're kind of coming off like bumbling idiots and, and omega's like saving them out quite a bit I've noticed that too. I think part of it is that while they've the super elite squad of troopers, they have always had the backing of the Republic. So they always had Republic resources, Republic Intel, Republic support for anything they've done. Even if they've gone kind of off the mission Mm -hmm. and done things their own way, they still had those resources available to them. So I think them being a little bit alone and having to constantly pick up and move, pick up and move, pick up and move, pick up and move has definitely thrown them out of their rhythm. I mean, life changes are so we'll devastating. See. So. They, they are. They're not quite prepared for <laughs> the uh, entire galaxy to turn on them in, in a single day. Yeah, they weren't ready to move out of mom and dad's house for sure. So the show said the hologram of Fennec asked if she knows who the bounty hunter is slash who hired her. Sid doesn't know, but she, because she's an informant, is like, let me find out for you. But there is a catch. You have to do a job for me. So she explains that they need the the Bad Batch to rescue a kid named Muchi, who was taken by some Zagirian slavers. So we saw the slavers in a three-part arc in season four of the Clone Wars. I think it's interesting that they're bringing the Zagirian slavers back in. I feel like they're going to pop up sporadically, especially since their big thing is obviously slave trade mm-hmm. and slaves. I feel like have a bigger role in the empire. I wonder how Vader felt about slaves. Probably a little, 
little uh, little split. I don't know if he probably dealt with it though that much. I'm sure he ran into it though, searching for. Oh, absolutely. Jedi just ends up killing all the killing all the slavers out of anger, and no one's like, "Oh, it's it's okay, it's Vader," and not just the men. so they agree to do it Sid says she'll split the bounty with them 70-30 because that's an even split and that makes all the sense in the world they're desperate for credits so I guess 30% is plenty for them hashtag math Uh, (laughs) exactly Hunter's real good at math (laughs) he's like, he's a master negotiator (laughs) that that adds up Uh, on the way to the slavers camp the team goes over the plan and Omega asks what a slaver is so this is Another example of her being sheltered her whole life mm-hmm. when she was on uh, Salukamai and saw dirt for the first time being in the ship and finding out what slavers are. I mean, she seems like she knows a lot, but at the same time has been sheltered from a lot yeah. maybe because she's a child and, and they're going off that element that children are sort of innocent to the cruel nature of the world. You know, she just doesn't doesn't know because she was on Camino, and there was never really any of this around her. Anything aside from rain and clones, <laughs> rain and a whole lot of shiny boys, and a lot of tall, weird looking aliens. <laughs> Imagine that was probably like the most difficult so, thing to get used to. <laughs> yeah, it's like wait a second, I don't look like you, but you're <laughs> saying I'm a clone. <laughs> All right. So they land outside the ruins of uh, Ord Man- old Ord Mantell City. They scout the area with macro binoculars and notice several slaves, including a green falling child under armed guard. They assume that is Moochie. As we find out later, they were sadly mistaken. <laughs> Very wrong. Turns out that was a lie. But, but under the uh, intelligence that they're there to rescue a child, that makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah. Tech spots two dozen sentries and multiple entry points with minor fortifications. Hunter is like, all right, well, we got a plan. Let's get to it. Omega's like, yes, I'm in. Finally, like, let's go do this thing. And Hunter's like, no, you go wait on the ship. So it's definitely this interesting dynamic where Hunter, I feel like, is conflicted about how involved he lets Omega get. Yeah. Because obviously Omega has held her own whenever she needs to. But at the same time, I feel like he still views her as a child and doesn't want to let her be in danger's way Mm. because he's the alpha dad of the dad batch. Yeah, and he's also worked with those his other guys, you know what I mean? Like they've been a, such a core group that throwing somebody else into it, I imagine would throw him off his game even more. And plus having to worry about Omega Which safety. Is, exactly. But it's also funny because obviously Omega has abilities. Helped out and kind of saved their skin more often than <laughs> not so far in the first couple episodes of this show, so Maybe eventually he'll be like, all right, listen, you're you're in charge now. We'll follow your lead. Yeah, you you are now the leader. You're gonna hate it. <laughs> Give her he uh he pass oh, what if he like passes the bandana at some point? Yeah, I I don't think it comes off. I actually think it's part of his being. He showers with it on? Yeah, no, it's like a part of his body. Like it grew there. <laughs> it's actually just an implant. That's that was, uh, that was got microchips and everything in it. That was the deformity from his. Uh, that's what went wrong. But they just told him he was a really good tracker instead. <laughs> They're like, we're going to give you this Rambo headband, and you can never take it off. <laughs> Little does he know, it's actually part of him. Yep. So they make their way through this rocky terrain and are about to start the rescue mission when they are attacked by a large Brizak, which is a Zagarian gliding lizard. I thought this thing looked like a Zillow dragon at first. I was like, oh, it's the Zillow beast again. But then I remember that we've seen these in the Clone Wars before. So I was a little sad. I was like, oh, a little baby Zillow beast. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, Papa Zillow beast. Mama Zillow beast. They remind me of uh, Lady Proxima from Solo. Like it's neck and head up. Yeah, I could see that. I, anytime I see any kind of gliding animal, I think of Avatar. <laughs> yeah. So obviously everything goes south. They get captured because we need a little we need a little bit of spice in this episode. Uh, Something to go horribly wrong. It is interesting because you talked about them being out of their element. Mm-hmm. How easily they were captured by these slavers. Like they they have this beast come in, knock over Echo, just completely eat him off a cliff, <laughs> and then the Zygarians roll up and capture him in like 0.5 seconds. Elite. <laughs> While all of this is going on. Sid's contacted by the person that gave her the bounty saying that his master, the person that is talking to her 
is getting impatient. And we find out that this is, in fact, Bib Fortuna and his master does not like to be kept waiting. Uh, I'm, I'm reading the War of the Bounty Hunter comics, and it's the same Literally. kind of issue. Boba is getting calls nonstop from uh, Bib about bringing Solo to Jabba, and Jabba is getting very impatient. So I feel like Jabba does not get told no very often, or else he feeds you to a rancor. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> I think it was hilarious that Sid was like, don't worry, I've got my best team working on it right now. Everything will be fine. Like, she just met these dudes a couple hours before. I was like, it's cool. I trust them. Everything will be fine. It threw me off a little bit that the Trandoshan spoke perfect basic. Yeah, well, especially since Bosk has the hiss with everything he says. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm curious to see if they explain it. Maybe... It's a, a dialect thing or yeah, it's, silly. it's an accent. He just she trained off her accent. It's not going to send me to Reddit to complain. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, there's no it's small things like that that aren't worth getting up in a tizzy about. Back in the absolute shit show that's going on with his rescue mission, Omega's making some alterations to the clone trooper that she got uh, the last episode to make it look more like the Bad Batch. Very cute. Very sweet moment. Loved everything about it. Gonky's being gonky and just being a, a sweetheart and adorable. And my, it's like him and Clink are, are competing right now for my favorite <laughs> droid on the show. For your love. <laughs> for my love. Um, so Zygarian's come and inspect the ship. Gonky's like, I'm going into like shutdown mode. I'm powering <laughs> off. I'm pulling a, a 3PO right now. Someone turn me off. <laughs> uh, Omega escapes out of the ship and this turns into the omega rescue episode omega this is why i think that um hunter eventually is going to give omega some more control over coming into missions and stuff some more trust i guess because of how this rescue attempt goes so she makes her way towards the where they're being held uh she climbs on top of a cage and notices a creature inside and is like, all right, well, this thing is in a cage. Let me just casually let it loose. Let me just create a little bit of a distraction, a little chaos Uh, as she's uh, pulling the pin for the gate off. She gets captured and they're like, haha, we got you now. What are you going to do? And she's like, jokes on you. I open the gate. And a rancor runs out just casually <laughs> at the watching the Zygarians get just yeeted <laughs> across the entire city with this rancor just running rampant is beautiful and fantastic. And I loved everything about it. So while the rancor is causing a little bit of a distraction and causing a little bit of chaos, the Bad Batch frees themselves. Wrecker breaks his restraints like they're string it's true just does not care in the world it's like oh these are nice <laughs> snap terrible something bad happened to him <laughs> they plan on taking this falling girl that they think is moochie and they're like that's not moochie and they point at the rancor that's just casually throwing zygerians all over the place and it's like that's moochie and they're like oh great this is gonna be wonderful this can't possibly go bad this is fine <laughs> so similar to last episode where Fennec was chasing after Omega. <laughs> the Bad Batch was t- chasing after both of them. You now have the Bad Batch chasing after the Rancor, who is chasing after all the Zygerians that it can throw into the sun. <laughs> he did. He really did just yeet them. It was fantastic. She did not give a single care in the world about. They're like, you kept me in a cage. <laughs> no one puts baby in a cage. You're <laughs> guess, all done. Guess what? <laughs> So the Rancor fights the Brezak, which I thought was kind of funny. Honestly, this, I was like, this is just, uh, what is it? Godzilla versus first Mothra. Yep, my very first thought. <laughs> I was like, this is just giant monster fighting. I'm, I need more of this in Star Wars. Give me all of this. Rancor wins. Obviously, the Brezak flies away. Tech and Wrecker show up to the Rancor, and it looks like it's about to fight him. And Tech mentions that the Rancor adhere to a social hierarchy, <laughs> And you have to challenge the alpha to combat in order to gain its respect. And Wrecker goes head first. <laughs> Wrecker, Wrecker is 100% like, oh, you need me to fight? Perfect. And just dives in and starts like just throwing punches at this rancor. Oh, he's, he's, Which, he's strong. 
to be fair, smart. Yeah, he's very strong. <laughs> to be fair, it is a, a child. So is this like a little bit of like record punch at a small child? <laughs> how does how do we how do we in the constraints of Star Wars universe do we view this record fighting children? It's fine. They they had Anakin slaughter a group of them. I think punching one's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family friendly environment. <laughs> So Wrecker and this Rancor duke it out until Moochie is tired out and Wrecker's like, there you go. Good, good girl. Good, good fight. You did well. Omega runs up and she's like, oh, she's kind of cute when she's not trying to kill everything. It's like, well, that's, that's fair. She's that's not wrong. She's not wrong. They either try and you're not, you're not wrong there. They return Moochie to Bib Fortuna and Sid. Bib's super excited. I know there was a lot of once we found out it was Bib Fortuna, everyone's like, oh my God, this is the Rancor that luke kills like (laughs) at first i thought that too i was like wait a second did they just give us this sweet loving backstory of this rancor and the rancor is all happy and like yay i'm free yes everything's good right now and then we know that it gets killed later on i was like no don't do this to me don't it's too early dave for making me have emotional connections to things that i know will die the the rancor in jabba was patessa right yeah, and yeah, it's a male, yeah. this is a female. So we're good in the <laughs> the greater context of everything. We're fine. I don't have to worry about this uh, Rancor, which makes me think, how many Rancor do, does Jabba have? Because if we've got the the two at least, like I would love to see Jabba's exotic animal. Like That would be the cool, if they did a book about that, like Jabba's <laughs> exotic animal zoo or something. Or a documentary called Jabba Exotic. <laughs> the rancor king the rancor king <laughs> perfect throw it on uh disney plus i'll watch it send us our checks disney yep and then episode wraps up with uh them completing this contract so sid tells hunter to join her in the back she tells um hunter the name of the bounty hunter it's fennec shand we obviously know that because we see fennec and mando i really like how they did this so the way they introduce fennec is that she's basically pretty new to bounty hunting new to the whole bounty hunting scene she's proven herself to be super ruthless and cunning which by the time we see her in mando it's like oh fennec shan like no i'm not even coming near her she'll kill me in a heartbeat so i like that they're already building her up as this super ruthless and cunning bounty hunter after mm-hmm. just starting out and they mentioned that sid got all this info from the bounty hunters guild so introducing the bounty hunters guild I think is really cool and a great tie-in to Mandalorian. And another thing that's another tie-in to Mando season one is that she's working on direct commission, just like Din Djarin was working on a direct commission for the client to retrie- retrieve Grogu. Mm-hmm. And she hasn't so aged a she goes, day. Hunter, no. Give me, give me that skincare routine. <laughs> Hunter gets the cut of the bounty, and then Sid says, hey, if you want more work, let me know. So... Just like every other end to every episode that we've seen this week or this so far, uh, they're building up probably for them to come back to or Mantel at some point. And that's why I think it'd be cool if they introduced more elements of the underground so, sort of the Star Wars underworld. So like I think you said last week, maybe if they introduce Crimson Dawn, this is a way that they could potentially introduce Crimson Dawn to. Oh, yeah, I, f- I feel like I honestly feel like that's where we're headed based off everything we've been kind of drip fed over the past year to a year and a half. Like, it just feels like that's where we're going. Or at least something with more of the the crime families or the syndicates or, I mean, even Jabba being introduced in this, which I was super excited for because anytime that they mentioned Jabba, there's a good chance that Boba Fett is coming in. <laughs> and then I got my head, like the gears in my head turning. I was like, what if they take that unaired animatic of Boba and Cad Bane fighting mm-hmm. and somehow work it into bad batch they have it already animated they just got to finish it right <laughs> it's something i mean i know one of the complaints when season seven was came out was there were so many other animatics that they weren't able to include in season seven mm-hmm. so it'd be interesting to see if they're reworking those to work that into the bad batch because to a degree it's an extension of clone wars and they're not shy about pulling the uh clone wars into the bad batch yeah i'm, I'm here for it it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see where they go next. I think we've almost hit everything that they've shown in the trailers for the show. I think the only stuff that's left is Rex. Yeah. Which I, I would assume is next week. Cannot wait. It's going to be fun. I, I really hope the episodes start to get a little longer again, though, because I, 
I enjoy getting like, these last two. I feel like as soon as I'm like starting to really get into it, it's over. So uh, hoping that we get some more longer episodes soon. That'd be pretty cool. It'd be cool if they, because one thing that the Clone Wars really thrived with, I think, is the arcs. So these multi-episode arcs that they would do for stories. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see if they keep doing all of these as one-off adventures or if they sort of build into multi-episode arcs again. Yeah. There's still a bunch of episodes left, though. I mean, we've got 11 more, I believe, this season. There's plenty of room for them to get some uh, multi-episode arcs going. 11 more. Think about that. That's crazy. It's 11 more early mornings. <laughs> I uh, I didn't. I held off today until I think it was 1 in the afternoon. I actually didn't even see any spoilers for it online, which was a real treat. But uh, I think that's going to wrap up our Bad Batch for this week. So let's uh, let's get into the main topic of the show, Todd. So Todd and I racked our brains and decided to come up, each of us, a top five list for our top five favorite Star Wars scenes. Um, and I don't know about Todd, but with me, anytime we do ranked list, my list are living, breathing things. They change daily, it seems like. So at today, as of now recording, these are my top five Star Wars favorite scenes. So I will go ahead and kick it off with my first. And there's no real order to these. There's no this one I like better than this one. These are just five that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one that I'm going to go with is the Twilight of the Apprentice Ahsoka and Anakin, the Ahsoka and Vader fight scene especially after season seven of the clone wars and their final interaction during the siege of Mandalore arc. I think them, and I I tweeted about this when season seven clone wars came out and and that scene, but Anakin looking at Ahsoka, Ahsoka looking at Anakin and being like, Oh, we'll see you, you know, see you soon kind of thing. And then them seeing each other again in rebels, you know, half of Anakin's face is showing through his helmet Ahsoka obviously is older now. She's not really following the Jedi way. Anakin has obviously become Vader. What? So he clearly is not following. Spoiler alert. (laughs) He clearly is no longer following the Jedi way. And that relationship that they had, her as his Padawan, all the hardships that they went through together, and her not wanting to leave Anakin... And Anakin basically being like, then I'm going to kill you. Is that the fight scene where part of Vader's mask gets popped off over the eye? Yep. Yeah. And he, for a second, mm-hmm. he says, ah- Anakin says Ahsoka. Yeah. It's yeah. that like, still you can hear the machine aspect of Vader's voice, mm-hmm. but you can hear that Anakin speaking through it. Yeah. And I just think the whole way that they handled that interaction was fantastic i think it it really just you know prior to spoilers for the end of rebels prior to the whole world between worlds being introduced that's how we think we ahsoka meets her fate is at the hands of her old master so having clone war season seven them saying goodbye as friends and then meeting again as enemies and her still trying to find that good in him Mm -hmm. whereas he's gone and he's willing to kill someone that was very close to him uh, is I think fantastic storytelling and, and another example of why Star Wars animation is so good and, and I don't understand why people will ever talk bad about it because it really has some very powerful scenes it's, it, it's unreal really alright so my first one let's see here I'm going to go with I guess it would be low hanging fruit but um, the duel of the fates, but specifically when the doors open, revealing Maul, the music starts. Maul standing there, looking like an absolute badass. Obi Wan and uh, Qui Gon part the soldiers. We'll handle this. Oh, come on! <laughs> and obviously, the whole rest of that scene is pretty epic. But uh, that just the very beginning of that just gets me revved up. And then Duel of the Freights starts playing that subtle, like, I'm like, yes, yep. injected into my veins, John Williams. <laughs> Pause, rewind, play. <laughs> I actually had this as one of my top five as well. Um, I went ahead and changed it so we don't have the same, but it's such a cool way to show the Sith revealing themselves to the Jedi. Dude was waiting for that moment. He practiced in the mirror. Like, 
<laughs> he was just going as dramatic as possible because we know Maul is at everything, including dramatic and messy. So uh, he was he was very much looking forward to this moment of reveal. Could you imagine? So he had to be chilling behind that giant door before it opened. Yeah. So I could you just imagine him like either giving himself a pep talk before uh, or just like practicing what he was going to do? Yeah. Like him sitting there like, all right, Paul, you got this. You can do this. Like, let's get this baby. He's, he's practicing and he's like, and the door opens. Hey, bitch. No, that's stupid. <laughs> It's like, maybe I'll look up and say something. No, maybe I'll just look up and stare ominously. Maybe. Maybe throw the hood back a little. Get a little scandalous with Do it. Do I pop the lightsaber dual blades at once or single blade and then the second? Dramatic. I've never thought about that, but he had to have been just waiting for that door to open and just casually chilling. Like, what are you just sitting there seething in anger the whole time? Like, yeah. what? what would Maul do? <laughs> Let us know. Comment. Comment. What would Maul do if uh, with what you think he would do behind the uh, giant door? All right, your number two or your next top favorite scene. I'm gonna do the first time that they jump to hyperspace in Solo, and you just see the stars and the whole hyperspace effect on Alden's face. I think that it's such a cool and such a scene that I think a lot of us can relate to if we were in that same position. Like yeah. whenever I go to galaxy's edge and do smugglers run. And the first time that the jump to hyperspace scene happens in smugglers run, if I can even see it behind all the tears, <laughs> um, I, I can just imagine having the exact same reaction. I think the cool way, the cool way that they did it technologically with the um, basically the effect on a giant screen surrounding the, Millennium Falcon cockpit set. Awesome. And I think you genuinely get not just what Han Solo would experience, but also the actor's true reaction to it all. Of yeah. like, oh my goodness, I'm in Star Wars kind of thing. Like it may it makes it more real. Yeah. So that I, I think not just because I love solo, but just that I felt like I could relate to that if I was in that same position. And that, that's why I enjoy that scene so much. Yeah, that's uh that's a good one. That yeah, even when you when you when we are watching it, it gets the same feeling. You know what I mean? That Han feeling right there at that moment. So yeah, that's really cool. Um, up next for me, this is going to sound morbid, being a favorite, but I'm going to say Kanan's death and Rebels. Spoiler: everything from the music okay. to him using the Force to hold back the explosion so people so his people can get away and live. He's sacrificing himself. Uh, that might be legitimately the only star wars moment i've actually like teared up for like cry like, that wasn't like happy no that's not true because when chewy loses his mind when he finds out leia died that was pretty rough but yeah it's pretty rough i cried yeah i it, sobbed it's it's uh it's a it's a hard scene to watch it's super powerful though and it makes rebels that much better so kanan's death i've seen that scene so much recently on tiktok on twitter on every other social media platform possible Mm-hmm. And every time I see it, it makes me just realize or it makes me remember like how much that scene emotionally impacted me mm-hmm. when I first saw it. Because, you know, Kanan, I guess one of the tenets of the Jedi is do for others to a degree. Yeah. Like you be more than just yourself, not really have any attachments. And, and he gives the ultimate sacrifice to save those closest to him. And in a sense, becomes basically the ultimate Jedi. It's the same thing that Luke does in in Last Jedi, where he sacrifices himself to save the ones he cares about. It's such a core staple of Star Wars. And I think it, it, it really caps off his journey from reluctant Jedi Master to truly embracing what a Master would do to protect not just his Padawan, but those closest to him. I was not ready for it, but it happened. I, I didn't think that he was going to die. I thought I was going to get out of it somehow, but whew, was I wrong? All right, what's your next one, sir? So my next one, I'm going to do, and this is a little bit of a gimme, but it's just because it looks so cool. The Rogue One Vader scene. So The good. hallway scene that we so all, good. I think the entire, I think everybody just lost their collective minds at that scene because it's so fantastic. 
my absolute favorite part of that whole thing is that when he's standing on the wreckage of the ship watching the Tanta fly away, that his cape is billowing in the wind. Um, there's no wind in space, so you know his Anakin's dramatic ass is using the force to make his cape flap. <laughs> That's so good. That whole scene's so yeah, good. It's just it's so over the top. It's the most like dramatic entry. Probably second to I mean first, second would be Luke's dramatic entry in, in Mando season two. Spoilers from Mando <laughs> yeah. season. There's just a bunch of spoilers. Like if you've gotten this far, sorry for spoiling a bunch of ending scenes, but insert spoiler this whole, alert this whole segment is just spoiler heavy i would just like have the spoiler siren going off in yeah. 30 seconds <laughs> but i think just it's such a vader scene like vader is always thought of as this big menacing villain and i think you've got these rebel fleet soldiers basically trying to escape they're like oh help us help us help us help us and You've got just this dark scene, the music, the sound of the door kind of creaking, and then just the lightsaber ignition. And all you see is Vader just illuminated in red. It's so cool. Um, and the Vader comic in 2015, uh, he, Vader is surrounded by like a hundred rebels. And they're like, give up, Vader. You're surrounded. And he's like, I'm, all I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men. Like that hallway scene is basically that. It's so cool. I love it. And it's it's just such a... Like, it's such a cheap, give us, like, a cool scene at the end kind of thing. Like, you have this big emotional moment, Scarif base being destroyed, and it's like, by the way, here's Vader. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's keep the Vader theme going here with my next one, um, which it, I'm. it's been my favorite since the second I saw it. My favorite scene in Star Wars of all time, when Vader arrives on the Tantive Four. That's it. When he bursts through, when he walks through that smoke through the door, and the two stormtroopers that are checking bodies stand to attention, and he just like walks by, has his hands on his belt, and he kind of looks around like, "Yeah, that's right." <laughs> so yeah, Vader scene. That another I'm, Vader. I'm, I'm ready scene. to run stuff. All right, what's your next one, sir? I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna save one. This other one for the last. I'm gonna go with my next one is Ray defeating Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't think would be one of the scenes that I, I really enjoy. But the more I think about it and sort of the symbolism of it all, you've got obviously all the Jedi of the past saying she can do it. Like, this is up to you to to carry on the Jedi legacy. But you also have her, a Palpatine, destroying a Palpatine, a, a name that has caused so much turmoil and pain and suffering for the Skywalker family. Someone that turned anakin into the worst form of himself and then constantly plague the skywalker family um <laughs> he really had it out for him he he had a lot of beef with the skywalkers let's just say that but i think just the whole fact that she being a palpatine and being able to reject that aspect and whether or not you agree with her being a palpatine or not i think the whole idea of rejecting your bloodline and deciding to go with legacy over blood because she obviously takes the Skywalker legacy and carries that on rejecting her, her bloodline. I think it's, it's a really cool scene and, and a good way of hopefully kicking Papa Palpatine to the curb for good. Unless he comes back in some weird super duper clone phase and, episode 26 if he if he does come back and it's not poe going somehow palpatine has returned again <laughs> i'm gonna riot i feel like poe would just be like he's back again like how how why are we even doing this <laughs> what is this the eighth galactic civil war going on what's what is this this galaxy's not that great guys let's stop fighting over it <laughs> we're going to another galaxy yeah let's just go let's just get out of here all right. Uh, up next for me, I'm gonna go with <laughs> I'm gonna go with our guy Din Din Jaren, absolutely murking Jawas after they wrecked his ship, just disintegrating them on the spot, and then little Grogu watching over his tr- his uh, pram like die trash. <laughs> the memes from that where it was like that one, that one, like yeah. shoot that one. Yeah. Like, it would be like Grogu being like shoot that one, and then it would show like the scene of him shooting the Jawa. And then it would be Grogu being like, mm, murder. Yes. <laughs> That'll do nicely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Your next one, sir. All right. 
So this will be because this is number five. Number five. I'm going to do an honorable mention first. Yeah, I, I'm going to do a little honorable mention before number five because I just thought of this scene. Yeah, um, I got talking one too. about the Mandalorian. But so my my honorable mention as a scene that I I love to death is the scene in the first season of Mandalorian when Din's pinned down by Grief Karga and all the bounty hunters because he decided to ignore uh, the client's request and and re-kidnap the child. Uh, is when the Mandalorians from the convent come in to save the day. Mm-hmm. And you've just got this wave of Mandalorians rising up from yeah. these buildings and absolutely decimating everybody just casually. You got uh, Paz Vizzle like rolling down with a giant heavy-duty repeating blaster. Everything about that. I remember it was like f- almost 4 a.m. because I woke up at the crack of dawn for everything Mandalorian. Yeah. It was almost 4 a.m. And I was like audibly cheering <laughs> when I saw this because I love anything with Mandalorian showing up. And this was like the ultimate live action dream for me of seeing a whole bunch of Mandalorians just coming in to save the day. <laughs> I thought you were going to say when the Mandalorians pinned down at the, when he was first getting Grogu, when IG-11 was like, I'm going to self-destruct. We're shooting our way out of here. <laughs> also, basically, okay, so my honorable mention is just anything Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Like, if it's in the Mandalorian, I probably think about it at least a handful of times a day. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll do an honorable mention too, and then we can go back to you for five. But my honorable mention is going to be in The Rise of Skywalker when Ray passes the lightsaber to Ben, like through the Force, essentially. like that's that's top that's that's good stuff that was a really cool scene that whole all the stuff that ben did like the he gets the lightsaber and the knights of ren are like oh god and he's just like does the little han solo shrug like just the fact that he at that moment he because he tried to reject his family as much as he could yeah reject his his legacy and reject his bloodline uh and then in the end, accepting his bloodline, sort of a, a juxtaposition of he accepts his bloodline while Ray rejects hers and accepts legacy. Um, but him really just in, in being the embodiment of his father mm-hmm. in, that, in that final scene, even though he doesn't have any lines, unfortunately. And I've got some beef with, with how they ended <sighs> all of that. But um, I think him between the, the casually running and shooting people behind him and the little shrug. It was that I that was a scene that I really enjoyed. Yeah, we gone too soon, but who knows? They brought back Maul, right. right? I'm sure they'll bring back Ben Solo at some point. I would be on board for more Adam Driver for sure. All right, Todd, hit us with oh, your 100%. hit us with your number five. All right, so my last one is the Vader Luke fight scene in Return of the Jedi, specifically from when Vader is telling Luke about his sister, Leia, and then Luke proceeding to lose his complete marbles and go absolute primal instinct on Vader, full anger mode, full given to the dark side, um, and and just go crazy on his father because he's blinded by rage. He's blinded by a threat against someone that he cares about. And then seeing his, his father with his arm cut his robotic hand cut off noticing his own robotic hand and sort of if you keep down this path you'll end up like your your father did rejecting that you've got the white undershirt showing through on his his black outfit um not just the 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 whole image of all of that aside but i think it sets up what we eventually see in the last jedi where luke senses evil in ben and out of fear is prepared to kill Ben to prevent the galaxy from falling apart. And this, this piece that they had created, I think that it's a fantastic tie into that scene to return of the Jedi. And I just, I, I think it's an awesome fight scene. When we look at the fight scenes in the original trilogy, they're obviously not as over the top as the fight scenes in the prequel trilogy. Cause George <laughs> decided we're going to have spinning lightsabers and, all kinds of crazy cinematic lightsaber battles. Although there is that remake uh, that someone did a couple years ago of the Obi-Wan and Vader fight in the the final fight that they essentially made Obi-Wan a badass, like invader badass like they were. So if you guys haven't seen that, give that a, give that a YouTube search because it's 100% worth it. All right, so my number five is going to be 
Anakin versus Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Um, and I know I've heard a lot of people say this is it's pointless and that it was useless, but when they're on the top of the table, after you know, they're fighting and they're on the conference room table and they're twirling their sabers like crazy and this, the twirling sound is going nuts, the music's going nuts, you can just see how much they're conflicted and they hate each other in the moment, but they love each other at the same time. Ugh. It's just, it's so good. It's so powerful. I, I love it. It's a, it's a cool scene and it's the most like, it's the, I think that scene is the perfect embodiment of the prequels. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Big CGI fight on a big CGI. I mean, they're fighting on over <laughs> lava and the whole high ground is over Anakin. I have the high ground, which I use more often than I probably should in everyday conversations. <laughs> um, I think both of us could have an honorable mention for both hello there's <laughs> oh a hundred percent i use it every 100%. day I, I, even on my own personal twitch channel when i get a new follower it goes hello there <laughs> it's the perfect greeting if someone says hello there and then of course the appropriate response general kenobi general kenobi <laughs> I, that's it's the ultimate way to know it happens in my Twitch chat every time I get a follower. It goes, hello there. And someone goes in the chat, General Kenobi. And then someone will say, you're a bold one. <laughs> uh, you nerds. I feel like, what is it? It's like the 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 church. Like, may, may the Lord be with you and also with you. Like, yeah. <laughs> hello there, General Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially a, a religious greeting, if you will. Star Wars is a religion. It's okay. It really, honestly... It is, um, and I'm and I'm tired of paying taxes, but I think that's going to do it for us for this episode. Um, we have a lot of stuff going on. The Skyward Fun Supply slash Black Squadron podcast giveaway is officially closed, and we will announce the winner on the very next episode, episode forty nine. We have, you know what? We're also going to announce the winner for the review giveaway as well. So you have a week. To leave us another, to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on, um, and send us a screenshot via DM on any platform, and then we'll get you in the running for that. And that is again a Kenobi book giveaway. Uh, make sure you are following us on social media. We are on, every, I think, every platform uh, at this point. Uh, we just started a TikTok. That's so much fun. If you guys want to see Todd and I's crazy collections and our wackiness, go go check out our TikTok because we. We have a lot of fun over there. I think that's going to do it for I'm BP and uh, my main guy, Todd. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.